While I am entirely committed to my country and the profession of arms, I also believe in choosing the harder right over the easier wrong. In this case, I firmly believe that refusing the vaccine is the right choice, and I value my alignment with truth and rectitude. I am unyielding in my resolve to stand for what I believe in, despite the sacrifices required to do so. As I instructed my subordinates in my initial counselings upon taking command, I believe in doing the right thing, consequences be damned. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Well, thank you for joining us. We have, this is the second part in our Commander series. First, I want to give a special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the Plandemic Reprimando level. At that tier, they pay $17.76 a month. We have Sam and Angela Schelke. We have Perry. At the um, the custom level, at $10 a month, we have Kevin Alanos and uh, Kate Victoria. And then we have the Refined Not Burned. We have Joe and PJ. I want to thank you very much for, for helping support me. Um, and if you haven't seen it already, there there is a um, premium content that I'm putting there just because of the the content in it. It's it's very nuanced, and I it's for the people that want to pay. And if if you'd be interested in paying, please check it out. I'd love to have you. If not, uh, I don't know how much other premium content I'm going to have, uh, but again, I'd love to have you support. And I want to thank all the supporters so far. And if you haven't gotten your patch, I'll have those available at different times. Um, I've done two iterations, sold out of them very, very quickly. Uh, I have a total of like 450 or so that I'm planning on selling. And this is all to help raise funds to help with my lawsuit. Um, I'm a doctor. I'm in the army, which means I don't make as much as other doctors. Um, and I'm at risk of losing my medical license. And we've spent well over $60,000 on lawyer fees so far, which is something I never intended to do along with this podcast. Never intended to do it. I'd rather be seeing patients and just doing my job. Anyhow. Next, I want to introduce you to a man who also would rather be doing his job. And um, this is former uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller. Uh, Brad, recently, um, Terminal CWO did an article on you. And I think it was a great article that kind of gets your story out there. Because as far as I understand, there's only two men in your situation in the entire world. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I believe that's true. That uh, That there are two... There were two battalion commanders who were relieved for refusing to comply with the mandate. That's correct. And so, so kind of give me a rundown of what happened, you know, because this is, this is your place to tell your story, because I think this is, this is an incredible story. I think you're one of the few men who, who stood up and said, no, this isn't right. And, and what was really cool is talking to you is there are some nuances that you didn't quite understand until after as well. And we'll, we can get into those too. Yeah. So, so first of all, thanks for, uh, for giving me some time to come on and, and share my story. I feel like I'm part of the big time now with you, Sam. Obviously, you and I have exchanged a couple of texts and talked a couple of times over the last, I don't know, maybe eight or nine months or so. But um, I've certainly checked out your podcast before, and I'm certainly familiar with your situation as well. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here with you today and just kind of talking with you. So uh, I was just to kind of paint the picture or set the scene a little bit. So I was a battalion commander in the 101st Airborne, so Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And uh, I commanded 21st Brigade Engineer Battalion, which was in 
uh, 3rd Brigade. He was in 3rd Brigade Combat Team, which is known as the Rockassans, within the 101st Airborne Division. So I took command in June of 2021. And, of course, we know the mandate was implemented in August of 2021. I was relieved in October of 2021. So all of this happened. I was in command for about four and a half months. So uh, the, the date that I was actually officially relieved was um, October 28th, 2021. So, so here's what happened. It was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I showed up to Fort Campbell, Kentucky around the beginning of June. And um, so yeah, approximately 10 days or so before I was actually going to take the colors. And um, Sam, I mean, you will certainly remember kind of the environment that we were in at that time. I show up, I'm, uh, I'm wearing a mask. Most people are not wearing masks. And um, you know the kind of the marginalization, the marginalization that occurs when you show up and you're wearing a mask and not everybody else is. So there, there certainly is a marginalizing effect that occurs when you, when you, um, when you're kind of not on the team, if that makes sense. So I show up here. I am. I'm a lieutenant colonel. I'm about to take battalion command. Uh, obviously, I'm unvaccinated, and clearly, people are going to make judgments. So, uh, so I'm immediately very, very uncomfortable. And I would say that of the 19 years that I spent in in the army. That was probably the most stressful time that I ever spent. I mean, I was losing sleep. I was losing sleep during those first couple of weeks when I showed up at wow. Fort Campbell because in my mind, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to navigate this. You know, I have two, at that time I had 18 years in the army and I thought, I don't know how I can make it through the next two years of command and to get to retirement. Anyway, so eventually I just had to, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, so, so you felt like the army was waging a war against you. Not against the enemy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I think this is well known now. I think this is, in fact, one of the things that I would say is at this point, we have learned that we have been told our whole careers that we prize officers who have strategic thinking ability, which means that they can survey they can survey a complex array of widely interrelated variables and then make an assessment as to what the threats are and then understand how to neutralize those threats or whatever. And what we have seen over the last two years, two plus years now, is that uh, our leaders have gotten it completely wrong. Um, there, were, there were privates out there who did a better job than a lot of our generals and admirals at understanding what were and what were not legitimate threats to military readiness. I'm not saying that we should, you know, replace all our generals with privates, et cetera, but in this specific set of circumstances, uh, which has been the most important thing that our military has faced in a while, right? Our leaders got it completely wrong, completely wrong. And still here we are two years in to, I would say two years in, almost two years into the, uh, to the vaccines. I mean, I guess we're only 15 years into the mandate when it comes to DOD, but nobody's decided 15, to reverse direction yet. 15 months, 15 months. Did I say 15 years, 15 months. Okay. Yeah. 15 months into the, uh, to the mandate and nobody's reverse course. They've doubled down. They've doubled down. They've doubled down. Yeah. So when I, 
when I took command, one of the first things that I did was I, I engaged with my brigade commander. Now, I will say, I had a great relationship with my brigade commander the entire time. Um, he was taking command the same time that I was. And the entire four and a half months that I worked for him, I actually had a great relationship with him for all things dealing with COVID and with the shots, but also just general command relationships. I really enjoyed working for him as a battalion commander. I mean, he was, he was good. And when it came to the vaccine, for all intents and purposes, he was cool with me. It's just that um, at the end of the day, uh, he was going to side with the army and I was going to side with our country. And as paradoxical as that may seem, that's where we are now. Wow. That's a good way to put it. And I'm going to make a statement on that. Here's the deal, because we seem to be in a uh, in a situation now where there are a lot of paradoxes at play. And I understand that at first blush, a lot of people are going to say, how can you say that the army is not on the side of the country? But, I mean, but look at what's happening. And, and someone might say to me, why did you give up everything that you gave up? Okay, I gave up my command. I gave up my career and I gave up my retirement. But when I left the military after 19 years, three months and 15 days, I left with my integrity intact and my oath to the Constitution unbroken. And I will tell you, there are not many people who can say that, particularly at the senior levels of DOD. Because they, Sam, you and I both know, they know exactly what is going on. And so I will, I, I am emphatic in saying that at the senior levels of DOD, we have individuals who are engaged in criminal activity. And throughout all the mid-levels of leadership, we have a bunch of cowards. And there's just no other way that I can say it. And you might have been able to claim ignorance 15 months ago. But with everything that has come out since August of 2021, you cannot claim ignorance now. Those are strong but very true words. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of these individuals because I feel like, um, you know, the term patriot has been has been co-opted a lot recently. And I don't always agree with the way that it's used. So I agree with Mark Twain. So, you know, Mark Twain has defined patriotism as you love your country always and you you support your government when it deserves it. And so for me, there's a clear order of precedence at hand. When when you got to make a decision between the armed forces in the country, you choose your country. Because here's the dirty little secret, and I know you know this, Sam. When you, there's a prevailing thought out there, we, we all have bought into it, that when you join the military, you're serving your country. It's not, it's not exactly true. It's a little bit more true that you're actually serving the government. And so you only serve the country in as much as the government serves the country. When the government decides that it's going to turn against the people in one way or another, then you're going to have a decision you have to make. And so there are too many people out there that are too in love with their jobs in the military. And what I mean by that is they've, they've chosen the armed forces over the country. And that's something I don't understand. The armed forces exist to support and defend the constitution, thereby protecting the country, not the other way around. You can't place the armed forces before the country. You, you, you can't be too in love with your job that you forget why you're in that position and why you hold that position. Well, I think to kind of further that point is we take an oath not to a person, 
but to a document that has certain ideals as officers, right? So officers have a different oath than enlisted. And we are required not to follow the orders given to us, but we're required to make sure that we give and we follow lawful orders. I completely agree. And I know you're, I know you're big on the constitution and, and so am I. And one of the things that I've been uh, surprised at throughout the entirety of my career is that as a military officer, the constitution is spoken about very little. Uh, typically, when do you hear mention to the constitution? You hear mention the constitution when someone is reciting the oath. Other times you may hear token references to it. And a lot of times it's lip service, but I don't think a lot of uh, military officers really understand either the constitution or the historical context in which, um, in which it was written in which it was drafted and then, and then ratified. So uh, one of the things that I had mentioned was that I, I actually had a pretty good relationship with my uh, brigade commander and that, that endured past my relief of command as well. I would run into him occasionally. And I mean, we were always really cool with one another. So um, I, as I was taking command and he was coming into command as well, um, I shot him an email because we had seen each other a couple of times. We're both getting ready to take command. We're at all the uh, changes of command ceremonies for all the other battalion commanders that are coming in as well. So I shot him an email and I told him, hey, sir, you've, you've seen me wearing the mask. Um, I'm unvaccinated. I don't plan to get vaccinated. I know that people are going to make judgments because of that. I accept that. I acknowledge it. Uh, and he wrote back an email and he said, hey, all good. It's, it's your choice. It is, um, it is not mandatory yet. Now, remember, this is in June. So this is two months prior to the mandate. And he said, your your decision. You're you're good with me, but you're right. People are going to ask. Just give me a little bit of a, of an understanding as to what your personal views are. So I wrote him a follow-on email, and I just kind of explained that hey, I don't I don't really like where I I I don't really understand why we feel like we need it. I'm not convinced. Um, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but I think I wrote I'm not convinced that this is that there's a, a safety requirement or a need. Um, Etc. And he wrote back, just, you know, hey, all good. And then in July, I remember specifically having a conversation with him in July because I had said, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was something on the news to where I realized this is coming. Like the, the writing is on the wall. And so I remember I approached him and I said, hey, sir, just so you know, my opinion has not changed. My stance has not changed. And if and when this mandate comes, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to take it. And he said, okay. He's like, well, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. But I think he knew that, um, you know, that I, I don't want to say that I wasn't bluffing. I mean, cause it wasn't, we're not playing a game of cards here. I mean, you know, the, the stakes are, the stakes are much higher, but I think he realized then that, um, the resolve that I had told him that I had initially I was still going to have even when the mandate came. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people who said, and, and, and I hate to say this and I hate to judge other people, but there were a lot of people who said, I'm not going to take the shot. And then the mandate came and suddenly their, uh, their resistance to it, you know? Well, I think a lot of the resistance crumbling 
unfortunately, is due to those, like a statement you said earlier, and I've heard a zillion times, and every time I heard a commander or a command sergeant major say this, I'd, I'd stop them. I'd say, look, sir, you can't say it's not mandatory yet because that's coercion. It may never be mandatory. And even to this day, it's, sure. it's quote, mandatory, but it's only mandatory if it's an FDA-approved medica- you know, therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And there is no FDA-approved yeah. therapy out there. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It's never been created. They've been misbranding. They've been committing felonies. They've been lying, cheating, stealing to get soldiers to trick soldiers into taking this or service members to take this. Sure. And and it would be absurd to realize or it would be absurd to think that, that the senior DOD leadership is not aware of exactly what's going on. Um, but you alluded to this earlier. So so I was not aware of the the Comirnaty bait and switch uh, when I was when the mandate was first implemented and when I was relieved. Now, I completely disagree with it. I thought everything was completely unethical for sure. And I, um, but I did not know that piece probably for, for a few more months. I would, I don't remember exactly when I became aware of that. Um, probably around the new year. I, I know that I was well aware of it by the time that the, uh, January 31st army directive came out that said, basically we will have a fully vaccinated force by one July. And so again, that's one July of 2022. So that that army directive that came out, right, 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 right. So that army directive that came out January 31st of 2022 uh, said, hey, we're going to be fully vaccinated by by 1 July. And then there was a clause in there that said, um, in lieu of separation, you can opt to retire. And so if you were going to do that, you had to submit your retirement paperwork within 30 days of the publication of that document. So 30 days later would be to March on to March. I submitted my retirement paperwork to my chain of command. Took a while to get it through the chain of command and to actually get to a human resources command and come back approved. Um, but I, I waited the 30 day period because kind of hoping against hope, I waited for, you know, DOD leadership to come to its senses. I mean, I, I didn't actually believe that that would happen, but I waited 30 days before I went ahead and decided Okay, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna resign. I'm gonna resign in lieu of separation. So what, I don't know if I misspoke earlier and said retire, but definitely resign. I'm not. I, I did not retire. Okay. I resigned. Okay. I was gonna say they because you're you're 18. You're almost 19 years in, and they did not. And this is this is just I don't want to say evil, but you give them 19 years and what eight months. Of your life, yeah. So, uh, so I gave them nineteen years and three months. Yeah, nineteen years so, and three months. So, and yeah, they so couldn't give you nine, less than nine months shy of of retirement. And they couldn't give you whatever retirement would have been at at that point without the twenty years. Because yeah, they give correct. people Some retirement. Sort of sure. Yeah, and and they they clearly did not want to do that. And um, another thing that's that's particular to my case is. Because I did not attempt any stalling tactics. For me, I knew exactly what I was giving up. I knew that I was walking away, and I was good with that. Because um, there came a point where I just had to realize that I can't go along with what's uh, with what's happening. Um, and and again, you know, I mentioned paradoxes earlier. There's another paradox in play here, which is a command paradox. So again, 
There are too many people who are too in love with their jobs. And so there are a lot of commanders right now that don't actually understand the mantle of command. And so I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not trying to say that I'm the best officer that's ever you know, put on the uniform. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, in this situation, eventually I had to realize that if I actually understood what it meant to be in command, paradoxically, I was going to have to be willing to give up the position because, you know, they were going to fire me. But I would like to think that when I got fired, it was as much for refusing to take the shot personally as it was for refusing to pass that order down to all my subordinates. Because that was just as important to me. I didn't want to order anybody to take it against their wishes. I think one statement that's that's very poignant here is, and I can't remember the exact verse reference, but what good is it to gain the world if you lose your own soul? And I think sure. from sure. from what I'm hearing of you, for you to give that order, which it would be the same for me, for me to give that order, for me to go along with any sort of medical implementation of this, would be losing my soul. Yeah, I agree. So for me, I... I'm not going to say that I know exactly what's going on with, with all of this, but I do know that it's sinister. Um, and I've, and I've known this since the very beginning. And you you and I spoke on the phone earlier and I told you that I never believed the, the COVID narrative. I mean, I, I disbelieved it from day one and this is back early days of, uh, February of, of 2020. Uh, you know, I was stationed in Korea at the time. Now I'm not saying that I had all the pieces put together and that I knew exactly what was going on. no, but I 100% disbelieved the narrative. And so as we moved forward throughout 2020 and we got closer to the end of the year and then moved into 2021 and everyone's talking about a vaccine, I just knew you can't, you can't take that. There's, there's more to the story and this is, whatever it is, it's not gonna be good. And, and now we've just, we've seen everything that has happened, not just in DOD, but just across the whole world. And, uh, and now we've got the G20 talking about vaccine passports. I mean, the lockdowns. I mean, this, this is where we are. And I've said this another place before, and many have said this, but it this continues until I say, till I say, till you say, till the listener says, no more. I won't do it. That's right. Yeah. So, so what I would say to that is we know, we, we both know people who, uh, maybe they took the prime, the primary series of shots and then afterwards, maybe they were injured, maybe they weren't, but, um, they expressed some sort of vaccine regret. And many of those now are, are our biggest allies. And I think that's great. Listen, we've all made mistakes in life. We've all made mistakes. So I would say to people out there, whether they're in, in the, in the military or not, or just society at large, listen, you got to wake up and realize what's going on. This is, this was never about health. And you know better, you know that better than anybody, Sam, but this was never, ever about health. It was always about control. Um, And if you didn't believe that a year ago, you didn't believe that two years ago, eventually you're just going to have to wake up and realize that everything you were told was not true. And it was to manipulate you into making decisions that were ultimately going to be harmful to yourself, to your family, to your children, et cetera. I mean, I don't have any kids. I mean, I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but I hate it for all the people out there that have been manipulated into, you know, giving these harmful injections to their children. It's heartbreaking. I think there are a lot of people who have 
they have happily suspended their own judgment. And I hate to say that. And what they've done is they have willingly surrendered their, their God-given critical reasoning faculties. And instead what they've done is they have outsourced their thinking to uh, government bureaucrats or the mainstream media or anybody wearing a white lab coat. That's not to say that there aren't good doctors and nurses out there, Almost but it is none. to say that a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that you did, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I think, and you see this because you're a dual professional, but my other friends out there who are in the medical community, the, um, the weight of the institution sometimes that you feel in the medical community is probably a lot like the weight of the institution that military officers feel. So, so for you, I can only imagine that you're, you're getting it from both sides. Well, the, the good news is they've actually you know? uh, escorted me out of the clinic right now. So I, I'm not even allowed in there. I don't have my badge anymore. So I mean, there's some benefits <laughs> from being such a, a deplorable a reprimando. I mean, right. <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I w- again, I would say that that's a, uh, that's a badge of honor. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of people right now, and I would say a lot of people are probably questioning, um, questioning their reality. And, and, and the reason that I think that is happening is because people are realizing that they're having to do a lot of mental gymnastics to try and explain to themselves what is happening. And I think that that's, that's a worldview issue. And what it means is if you can't grasp what is happening, it's because your worldview is inadequate. It's because the way in which you thought the government runs and the way in which you think the world operates is not the way it really operates. You, you've, you've been bamboozled. And until you realize that your worldview needs adjustment, you're going to you're going to try and do all these mental gymnastics to try and figure out like but I can't believe this and this and you're just you're you're never going to come to any answers until you realize that the world doesn't run the way you you thought that it ran. Well there's there's something to that where you know, Jordan Peterson I don't know if you listen to him um I consume most of his his audio information um either prior to or during the the covid outbreak. And one thing that he says is, you know, you have this in your mind, you have this map. That's what Maps of Meaning, his book, is all about. You have this map in your mind and you're walking along and then sometimes you fall in a hole that you didn't see there. And it's sometimes that hole can be a bottomless sure. pit. An example of a bottomless pit is you didn't know that, let's say, your wife was cheating on you for 10 years. That would be a bottomless pit that you didn't see that hole because of the, the fog that was in your map. And that can be so life altering that some people can never recover from that because it's like, how did you, how did I not see that? The same thing about the government. Like people should have a healthy fear of their government, meaning like, let me, let me, let me trust, but verify, let me, let me verify, let me, maybe not even trust, but let me just verify um, the idea that the government is fire. (laughs) And it's great if the fire is in a little way or in the fireplace, it keeps you warm. It lets it give give you light. But when, when that fire is now moved into the carpet in the living room and then is going down the hall, that is no longer a good place for that fire to be. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And so I, I think here's the other thing to go back to your analogy about, you know, the individual who, um, whose wife cheated on him and, and never saw that coming. So to, to extend that analogy, 
imagine that that individual has a best friend who came to him and said, Hey, I, I think, I think your I think your wife's cheating on you, you know? And then he loses his mind with his best friend because why would you even say that? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's kind of where we've all been, where there have been people out there. I mean, certainly you that have sounded the alarm. Hey, this is, this is not what you think it is. This is dangerous. People who you thought you could trust, you can't trust. But then you, people don't want to hear that, you know, and then you become the bad guy. It's easier to trick people than it is to convince people that they've been tricked. 100%. And we've seen that. You know, we've seen that. And, you know, so another thing, you know, um, you're... You're clearly a, a, a well-read guy, and I've heard you mention the Constitution a lot. I know you know your you know your history, and you know some of the quotations that you that you uh, allude to. Um, I what I would say to our fellow Americans, whether they're they're in DOD or just our fellow Americans out there in society at large, um, some of them really need to educate themselves. I mean, there are some books out there that have been known as the dystopian literature that people really need to start reading. If you haven't read 1984, I mean, you kind of need to read it. If you haven't read A Brave New World, you probably should pick up a copy, you know? Um, if, you, if you're only consuming the, the mainstream media, you probably need to, to open your aperture a little wider. One comment about that, because I, I have... I, I can't sit and read, right? And I'm sure there's plenty of our listeners out there that um, that probably can't sit and read a book because it's just, it's like too taxing. You fall asleep, you get distracted, you know, some, yeah. some distractibility issues, right? Don't forget, there's almost every book is available on either tape or on podcast. Yeah, I mean, like you can listen to it, which is a great way to consume information because you can consume information sure. all the time and you can never stop making sure. yourself better that way. And we live in a, I mean, we live in an age in which that's very easy to do. I mean, you can, and, and most of us always have something playing in the background. I just, I feel like a lot of people, what they have playing in the background is something frivolous. So it's either music. And I don't mean to say that all music is frivolous or that there's never a time for it, but when you're only listening to, to frivolous music or you're only listening to things for entertainment, then you're, you're, you're sacrificing a lot of time in which you could actually be informing yourself. And what we've seen is if, if you are uninformed, you will be a victim. You will be easily manipulated if you are uninformed. And this goes back to what I said about the worldview. If your worldview is inadequate to comprehend exactly what is happening, you're going to be manipulated. And that kind of idea, like you may not know all of the truth, but you know what the lie is. And to 100%. not 100%. And to not call out that lie means you're participating in that lie. Because in the military, we have this idea that, oh, if I see someone's uniform, they're out of uniform, they're wearing it wrong way, and I, I look at it, I acknowledge it, I allow them to keep walking, that's a new standard. Well, lying is the same way. And, and this is why I applaud you for what you did, because you, you, you set the standard. The standard is, no, I will not lie, I will not do unlawful, I will not give unlawful orders. And you didn't even know that it was an illegal order at the time. And the just you know, and the distinction yeah, between that a lot time. of people don't understand. Yeah, I just knew that it was complete. You know, I knew that it was, I knew that it was sinister. I knew that it had nothing to do with what they were trying to, you know, purport that it had to do with. Um, 
but I didn't, I didn't know about the, the, just the fraud with the FDA approval. Yeah. I didn't know that until a couple of months later. And I, I think that is just absolutely despicable. Um, one thing that is, that is interesting is because I was a battalion commander when all this was happening, I really saw things from kind of both sides because we were, we were sending up the names of the, of the refusals. This is in early October of 2021. So this is two weeks before I'm going to be pulled out of command. And, uh, like a, like a good battalion commander, I'm running around with my staff, you know, kind of asking them, Hey, have we sent those names up to brigade. Have we sent those names up to brigade, just like you would for any numbers that you're constantly sending up to your higher headquarters. Um, but as we're sending up those names and numbers, of course, I'm one of the names for a, for a vaccine refusal. And so what we were sending up was we were sending up the names of the refusals and then the names of those who were going to put in for um, religious accommodation requests. And then, of course, the corresponding packets for those requests. And so as uh, as this information went from our battalion to the brigade headquarters, I actually got a text from the brigade commander and he texted me and he said, hey, Brad. I got your battalion's information and I got your uh, religious accommodation request packets. Where's yours? And so I texted him back and I said, I'm not, I'm not going to submit one. Um, I am not looking for an exception for myself. I believe that this should be rescinded wholesale. I'm not looking to, you know, have an exception made for me. So that was a personal decision that I made. I never submitted a religious accommodation request packet. Um, there are plenty of people who did and, and have chosen to fight that route. For me, I was a I was a hard refusal. And I want to draw a little attention to that. And, and if you don't want this line of questioning, just to say so. Um, but to not, even though you didn't submit no, a re- religious accommodation request, um, that doesn't yeah. mean you're a religious, correct? No, no, not at all. In fact, I have many religious objections to to this. Um, my, and, and not everybody's going to agree with this. So, and, and, and that's fine. This was my line of reasoning with the debate that I had, you know, internally with myself is that I believed that if I were to submit a religious accommodation request, in my mind, it was almost as if I were potentially conceding that the shot might be safe, potentially conceding the shot's efficacy but just having a problem with either the research or the development methods that were used to produce it. But I don't concede that it's safe. I, I, I don't concede that the shot works at all. I believe that it's completely harmful. I believe that the whole COVID narrative was probably concocted to get people to eventually take the shot. I mean, I, I just, I don't want to concede that there's some sort of mythical safety that, that I don't believe exists, you know? So in my mind, I just wanted to be a, a hard, a hard refusal. Now I'm not saying that's the same line of thinking that other people have taken. There are many ways in which people have chosen to fight. Um, I am happily resigned. Now, do I hate that I didn't make it to retirement? Do I hate that I was only in command for four months? Yes, sure. Of course, of course. But like I said earlier, and I'm, and I'm very serious when I say I left with my integrity intact and my oath to the Constitution unbroken. Um, and, I, and I hate to wag the finger at other people, but I will say maybe you could plead ignorance 15 months ago when the mandate came out. Maybe There were plenty of commanders that I'm sure were true believers then, 
But with everything that has come out now, you can't still be a, a, a true believer unless you lack the reasoning faculties that being a commander in the military would require. And that alone would disqualify you for your position. You know, so are you, are you incapable of, of seeing exactly what is going on and what the real threats are? Or are you aware to some degree, but you're not going to do anything about it? I mean, that's, that's cowardice. Well, I think anybody who's listened to me for any period of time will see that my true belief is that this is a, the shot and maybe even um, the whole virus idea, which I like, yeah, it came from a lab, but did, I'm certain it was made there. Um, and I think that was released or, you know, accidentally or on purpose or whatever, just to get people to take this bioweapon shot so that the military could be infiltrated, so that our country could be infiltrated, almost like a neutron bomb where you hit a button and then the infrastructure is still there, but the people aren't to fight you. And I even, I even spoke to a colonel um, and I said, you know, I explained everything. I showed him my video. I sent him the link and he said, you know, Sigloff, you're probably right, but you, and you need to keep the, doing this fight, but you need to do it on the outside. And it's like, but sir, I, I know your job, but like, if I'm, if 1% of what I'm saying is right, not the probability of it, but if only 1% is right, that it's, it's a small part of a bioweapon like that, that is, it needs to be stopped immediately. Yeah. And what you said about, so I, people look at tyrannical regimes in the past and they say that, you know, oh, the United States, you know, America's got some problems, but, you know, nothing like that. What I would say is, okay, that may be true for sure. But just because the chains are invisible doesn't mean that they're there. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a subtlety to the tyranny that can happen now. And a lot of that's probably just because of the internet, the way in which information is uh, is shared virtually instantly. Um, so, I mean, when we look at what's going on in our country, they can control the people extremely easily. You know, I mean, we saw the way in which the mainstream media was in pure lockstep with with the narrative, and and our institutions have been corrupted. You know, and so what do we do for those of us who actually love our country? You know, what do we, what do we do? You know? And I'm going to ask you this, some questions and stop me if you don't want to talk about this, because this may be too personal. Yeah, all good. Um, cause I, I certainly don't want to offend or, you know, air stuff you don't want to talk about yet. Um, but I want to bring it to people's attention that you had mentioned that you're, you're not married. You don't have kids. You've been in the military for nine, 19 years. Mm-hmm. You have poured everything into the military. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't regret it. So, um, this is actually a good question because I want to make sure people don't misunderstand anything that I have said. So I am not in any way against the military as an institution. I am entirely against evil people, because I'm going to call them what they are, who have, because of their positions, have taken control of the military. So when I resigned from the military, it's true that I left the institution. 
but I was really resigning from the leadership. If, if, I, if I'm going to state it accurately as to what I was really doing, that's what I was doing. Um, but again, if you put me into a position where I have to choose the country or the country's armed forces, the country comes first. Um, yeah, so, so I was in the Army for 19 years. Before that, I was at West Point for four. You know, so you put those together and I mean, it's, you know, it's 23 years. Um, and I don't, I don't regret any of that. I don't regret my time at West Point. I don't regret my time in the military, but I also don't regret leaving the military once the institution, once the institution became captured by individuals who no longer have their, their nation's interests at heart. And that's, that's just the, the hard, cold reality. And, 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 and we both know, all I was going to say is that if, if this mandate had been um, an oversight or just you know, a, a bad idea, it would have been walked back. Now, sure, they would have found a way to save face while they were walking it back, but they would have found a way to walk it back. But it, it wasn't. Sadly, it was not an oversight. It wasn't a slip up. It wasn't just a bad call. No, it was, it was intentional and deliberate. And, and, you know, you, you had said you meant you resigned your leadership position, but from what I see is you resigned and actually took on a much larger leadership role as a true leader of, of men and women. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, and I do feel like that. And this goes back to what I said about the, the commander paradox, where to some degree I felt, you know, if I'm a true commander and I understand what it means to be a commander and put yourself in between a threat and your troops in a way, then um, I'm going to have to be willing to give up the command, as paradoxical as that seems. But I will tell you, so since that article went out, uh, I mean, this was Friday evening that it went out, so, you know, less than three days ago. Uh, from the time that, you know, you and I are, 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 are recording this, um, the the outpouring has been incredible. I mean, just, I, I must have received well over 100, maybe quite a bit more than that, uh, messages from people I don't know. Many of them are troops. Many of them are troops who are already out. Some of them are um, uh, spouses of troops, but just the outpouring has been incredible. Just people who are thanking me and just, Oh, we really appreciate your courage. We appreciate you standing up. We appreciate you speaking up for us. Well, those are the true patriots. I mean, those are the people that I feel happy to stand next to, to stand shoulder to shoulder with those individuals who have actually tried to hold the line. And and you mentioned this earlier, but you know, some of our biggest um, proponents are those who have had maybe the primary series or even a booster. And I, I want to make this point for everyone listening that this garbage about pure bloods is not helpful. It's it's harmful. We need everyone to be on the side of truth and not not those that didn't make a mistake, that didn't have the spiritual insight. And and we don't need to be rejecting anybody who's who now has a spiritual insight and who feels, I would assume, quite awful about the decision they may have made in the past. We need to welcome them with open arms. And this is not to you. This is to to the listener that that might be into this pure blood idea. Um, we need to op- welcome them with open arms because many of them have been injured. Many of their their children have been injured. Many, you know, 
we need to stand there and be ready to forgive as Christ forgave us. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I think that is a fantastic message, and I, I wholeheartedly agree that agree with that. And um, But I'll also tell you, just sometimes I have to remind myself of that as well, that um, we've all been fooled before, we've all made mistakes before, we've all been on the wrong side of an issue before. Um, and just because maybe you were confused a year or two ago doesn't mean you have to be confused now. Um, the other thing, I mean, I have... I have friends and family who took the shots. I have a, a friend who um, who took the first of the Pfizer series and then kind of woke up and, and didn't go get the second, didn't even finish the primary series. And that's not unique. There are people out there who, in a, in a lapse of judgment, they got scared because of everything they heard. And again, that was deliberate. They uh, maybe had a lapse in judgment. And, and since then, they've come to realize that... Um, this isn't what they thought. And I think that's great. And, and those people are absolutely our allies as well. There, we, there cannot be a, an us and them. But at the same time, I do believe for those who are part of this and those who have perpetrated this against, uh, against society, I mean, I do believe there needs to be accountability. Agreed wholeheartedly. The leadership they knew, they knew from the start. And if they didn't know, yeah. they at least knew from when the, uh, was it the Pfizer uh, cumulative report of 5.3.6, where it has eight pages of single space, you know, like 11 font or 10 font of just side effects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what are we, what are we doing? You know? And, and, and I know that, I know that you know that, but you're absolutely right. So I think there needs to be accountability. Um, in society at large, but also within DOD. So I got a question the other day, and it was, would you go back into the military? And I'm not going to say definitively yes or no, but I will say probably not. And here's why. Um, again, it's not the institution, but the, the people have come into the, in the, into the institution, and we have seen that it's not just the leaders at the top, because virtually all levels of leadership, virtually everyone went along with this and they're still going along with it. And so if it weren't this, it would just be something else later. And so what I would say to the American citizens is you, you got to really ask yourself if you think that you can trust DOD, just like you got to ask yourself, can you trust the other government agencies out there? There's been this Bible verse that's been driving me from the start, and it's it's a paraphrase, but it's First uh, Thessalonians five fourteen, and it says, "If somebody is frightened, frightened, talk to them in a way that helps them to be brave." And I think your actions have just just by by you the fact that you resigned. I don't know how many privates are in your unit that said, "Wow, this this guy is standing for something." Like. Why is he going against the grain and how that plants a seed of truth in their mind, whether they got the shot, whether they were trying to resist. I mean, so you are truly living that you're not just talking, but you're walking, you're living it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I will tell you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing special. So throughout my career, yeah, I had a fairly successful career. I, you know, I think I did okay. Um, but I'm not above the, the human frailties that all of us succumb to. Um, I'm not above, you know, ambitions and, and, uh, selfishness at times. Um, I, I fall prey to that just like every other human being. Right. But what I want to say is that 
in this situation, I feel like I got it right. You know, um, that doesn't mean that I have been a, a perfect officer throughout my military career or a perfect man, you know, perfect human being. Not, not at all. Um, I will say though, one of the things my brigade commander told me actually when I got pulled out of command was, um, cause this goes to what you were saying. He said, I actually felt like your battalion had a really healthy culture when it came to the vaccines in that your battalion probably had the less, um, the least distinction of, of the, the haves and the have nots or the, the us and thems. I mean, this conversation was a year ago, so I'm probably adding a few words there, but I think you, you get what I'm saying. And I had told my brigade commander that one of the things I was doing was I was speaking with the, uh, the unvaxxed personnel. And when I pulled my unvaxxed personnel aside and spoke to them in groups by company, I didn't do that because I was unvaxxed. I was speaking to them as their battalion commander. And I made that very clear. And I told them, I'm not, you know, this, you know, this is not a coup. I'm not trying to find all the unvaxxed people. Um, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm speaking to you as your battalion commander. And I'm telling you, get ready. Because the writing is on the wall. This is right before the mandate. Um, and any day now the mandate could drop and you've got to be ready. And I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you to take the shot. I'm not going to tell you to not take the shot. That is your decision, but I'm not going to pressure you. And if you have anything you want to come talk to me about, if you want to know what my personal opinion is, you can come ask me, but you got to come ask me in my office, you know, behind closed doors and we can talk about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and evangelize my position, my personal position. I'm not going to go evangelize that because I do feel like that would be unprofessional. I'm, I'm sure you feel the exact same way, but at the same time, if somebody really has a concern and they want to come talk to me, you know, I invited them to come talk to me in my office and I had, I had privates, I had privates come see me in my office and you know, that's a big deal for a private to go see the battalion commander. And, um, you know, I had privates come see me in my office in tears. You know, I don't want to take this. Uh, one private told me, you know, about a, a brother, an older brother who had taken it and had been injured. So, I mean, more than one private in my office in tears because they did not want to take the shot, but they knew that once the mandate came, if they did not, you know, they would lose their career, a career that they had chosen. Yeah, that was one thing that I, I used to do, and this was prior to was it July of 21 as I used to counsel because I saw a lot of beneficiaries, a lot of wives and uh, especially the wives that said, no, I'm not getting it. Neither is my husband. It's like, okay, well, this is a conversation you need to have with your husband. If that's the stance you're going to take, which that's the stance I'm taking, you can take whatever stance you want. But I would always, I would often tell my patients, look, I'm not getting this. There's many reasons why I'm not getting it. You can get it or not get it, but you need to know the truth. But I would tell them I'm not getting it so that they would feel comfortable thinking, well, maybe I should think about why I would get this because here's a doctor who hasn't got it. But I would counsel them and say, look, sit with your spouse and figure out what is this worth to you? Are you going to be read on a list? Okay, I've been read on a list, right? We have to do HIV testing every year or whatever where they check to see if we have HIV, which, you know, no one, you know, rarely people ever do, but we have to get that test done every year. And 
you're right on a list. That report goes up, they come back down, say, off, go get your test. Okay, all right, whatever, get my test. So is that what they're going to do? Or are they going to come and grab me, hold me down, and try and stick this in my arm? You know, that's what you have to figure out. What is this worth to you? And then stick to it. Yeah. And I had, I had a captain approach me. Um, this is a pre-command captain. He approached me and said, I took the shot. I didn't want to. My family has not taken it. I don't know if I want to command a company in, in this army. And then um, wow. I had another captain who was one of my company commanders. And this was in uh, early October of 2021. So the mandate was already out. And this was um, the time period where your, your company commander would order you to go take the shot. You had to go watch the video if you were a refusal. You know, you'd get ordered again. Then you'd go speak to a medical professional. I mean, there was this entire procedure that you would go through if you were a refusal almost like a ritual. and i had a company commander of mine or, yeah, it was, yeah and i had a company commander who of course had taken the shots and was even um i would say a a, a believer in the shots because he and i would have conversations about it but he called me and he said i really do not feel comfortable you know ordering people to do this and I told him, I understand, but you, you already know what's happening to me. I mean, you already know my position. This is a, you're, you're going to have to decide what you're, what you're going to do, whether you're going to go along with this or not. I mean, I, I appreciate that you have real problems with this and that, that morally you're, you're torn about this, but you know, you're, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do. I think that's incredible that he's, he's telling you, I have a problem with this. But I would imagine he went ahead and ordered people to take it. And this is where it's, it's hey, I, one of the things um, that, I, that I really, I really want to put out there is, um, and this is in the article too. So if there was one message that I really tried to convey to my individuals, because I knew going into command, nobody's going to care about my tactical, like when this is all said and done, because I'm not going to be in command very long. Nobody's going to care about my tactical acumen. Nobody's going to care about the way that I dispensed military justice, you know, for disciplinary infractions. Nobody's going to care about my talent management. And I'm not saying none of those things are important. They're all very important. I'm saying that my command was going to be reduced down to the COVID mandate. That's all people are going to care about. And, um, and I knew that. And so I just realized that I've got to try and plant seeds so that when I'm gone, People at least understand that that guy was willing to throw his cards on the table, you know, when it, when it came time to. And so in my counselings and in my in-briefs, um, I really tried to explain that I believe in doing the right thing, consequences be damned. That is a powerful statement. Yeah. So it was a good ride for 19 years. Um, and you know what, when I got pulled out of command, uh, there were mixed emotions, but one of the emotions that I felt was, um, you know, a sense of relief, like the relief that you feel when you finish a really long run or a ruck march or something, because you're like, I did it. 
I made it. Because I had friends of mine who along the way, they were like, ah, oh, you know, you're, this is so awesome. I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I would tell people, hey, don't, don't congratulate me yet. I haven't done anything yet. This is before, before I got pulled out of command. But once I got pulled out of command, I felt like I saw it through, you know, I, I saw it through and I, um, and I, I did the right thing and I, you know, I, I, I didn't waver. That leadership is needed now more than ever in, from the top to the very bottom, every rank, every, you know, fire team leader, squad leader, platoon leader, battalion commander, you know, core leader, every, every level of leadership needs that consequences be damned. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, I want to iterate. I don't think I'm anything special. I mean, I think I'm on the right side of this issue, but I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, there were, cause, and I, cause there are plenty of peers that I have out there who knew me earlier in my career and they were like, just a normal dude. You know, there are plenty of people who um, worked for me. They're like, it's a normal guy or man, maybe I didn't even like that guy. You know, I'm not saying that I was, that I walked on water throughout my career. I'm not saying any of that. Um, I'm saying that I was a fairly good officer, um, but I, I got this issue right. That's, that's all I'm saying. And one thing that I think we need to at least be aware of is that when there's someone who is doing the right thing for the right reason, often the people that, that went against their conscience and, and they're, they're looking at you, there can be some animosity towards you because it, it incriminates them because they right. didn't do what they thought was best and they, they went against themselves. Right. And that's where we have to, and, come on, it's okay. Come on. There's forgiveness at the cross. There's right. forgiveness here. Right. Let's, let's move forward. Let's move past this. That's right. Cause that's not actually an indictment of me. That's not an indictment of, of you. That's an indictment of that individual, but we've all been there too. We've all been, we've all felt that animosity towards someone when in reality we were the problem. And the only way to get past that is to acknowledge that you're the problem. But I, I completely agree with you about forgiveness. And there are a lot of people who were well-intentioned along the way and, and they got this issue wrong, but they were well-intentioned. And I completely understand that. Um, but then there are other individuals who were the perpetrators and we know there's talk out there about amnesty right now. And, and uh, no, no, no. I mean, just because I believe in forgiveness and you believe in forgiveness does not, that doesn't mean that I don't also believe in the necessity of accountability. Otherwise we will never get past this as a nation. We'll never progress. Well, and amnesty is a very particular word. It has legal connotations with it. It comes after you've committed the crime and you've been found guilty. So you can't have amnesty for yeah. something that you've never been judged on. You've never been evaluated on. And even if you're committed and let's, you're, you've been condemned to time in prison, to whatever the, the legal system is. And I, I want to make it abundantly clear. I am not advocating for any vigilante justice. This needs to be done through the legal system or to, to advocate for anything other than the legal system would mean that all that you and I have given and all that all these uh, brave men and women have given um, to protect the constitution is all for naught because that's the whole point is we want things to be legal and lawful. Um, but yeah, we're on the side of the law, but you can forgive even after condemnation, even with them in prison for sure. war crimes committed for uh, crimes against humanity. 
I can forgive them as a person and I think it's important that I do so that I don't carry that with me and it destroys me. But that doesn't mean that they're not still responsible for their consequences. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. It was well stated. When we get off air, I'm going to get your address. I'm going to send you one of these because if anybody deserves one of these, it is definitely you. Oh, man. Awesome. I will receive it with pride. And I'll be honored to, to give it to you, to send it to you. While I am entirely committed to my country and the profession of arms, I also believe in choosing the harder right over the easier wrong. In this case, I firmly believe that refusing the vaccine is the right choice, and I value my alignment with truth and rectitude. I am unyielding in my resolve to stand for what I believe in, despite the sacrifices required to do so. As I instructed my subordinates in my initial counselings upon taking command, I believe in doing the right thing, consequences be damned. Yeah, so that is, um, so that is, that is, uh, that is in the article, um, where it's a quotation that comes from my rebuttal to the, uh, the letter of reprimand that I received. Well, let's wrap this up real quick. So thank you so much for coming on. I truly appreciate it. And I'd love to see a picture of you with this. This patch, whenever it gets to you, um. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, thanks for having me on. I mean, you know, of all the people that I wanted to speak to, really happy to speak to you, Sam. I mean, you know that um, I'm I'm aware of the challenges that you've had as well. So I know that. Yep, I've I've taken my licks, but so have you. So I'm, you know, happy to be here in the yeah, fight. We, with our you. stories are not too dissimilar. You know, showing up and being the only doc with a, a mask on. Correct. When the only people wearing masks were those that yeah. were unvaxxed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a dissimilar story. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, sir, thank you so much for for coming <laughs> on and for sharing your story. And if you know any others that are were in a similar situation, please you know give them my contact info. And if any listeners have also been in command leadership, sure. I'd, I'd love to have you come on and, and talk. And if you've been, you know, if you've resigned or you've been removed, relieved from command, I'd love to help you share your story and make it a part of this series. Yeah, Sam, thanks so much for your time and for um, for just being as engaged as you are in this fight. Thank you and God bless. God bless. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.